0: Hello, Relatable listeners. Happy Wednesday. I hope that everyone has had a wonderful week. Today, we are going to talk about Buttigieg, Trump, and evangelicals. That is how you say Pete Buttigieg's last name. Because one time, randomly, a couple weeks ago, maybe a few weeks ago now, I was watching a CNN town hall with him, and he specifically told the audience how to say his last name, and it is Pete So if you don't already know who he is, he is a Democratic presidential candidate. We've talked about him on the podcast before. Uh, He is from South Bend, Indiana. He is a 37-year-old combat veteran. Uh, He was deployed to Afghanistan as recently as 2014. He remained a lieutenant in the Navy Reserve until 2017. He's a Harvard grad, magna cum laude graduate there, Rhodes Scholar. He also happens to be openly gay. And the only reason that we need to mention that is because that's an important identitarian characteristic. If you are someone on the left, it gives you, of course, what we call an intersectionality point or some kind of oppression point. It gives you what the left would consider more credibility because you have some kind of intersection that makes you not just an uber-privileged rich white male. So according to PBS, this is what Buttigieg actually stands for. He stands for universal health care, labor unions, universal background checks for firearms purchases, uh, protecting the environment by addressing climate change, passing a federal law banning discrimination against LGBT people, and the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, aka Daca. The reason why we were talking about him is because he is a self-proclaimed Christian and he uh, has said that he thinks that Christians are hypocrites for supporting Donald Trump. And so we're kind of going to get into the back and forth of that and why I think that he is wrong. I see his perspective, but I think he's wrong. Um, on MSNBC, this is another thing that he stands for. On MSNBC, he said that he does not believe in restrictions uh, for late-term abortions. He said that since he is a man, that he doesn't need to be making those decisions. We actually played that clip a couple episodes ago. Um, almost everything I and other conservatives have a problem with, he stands for. So he does seem like an extremely reasonable guy. He's obviously very smart. When I watched him on that town hall, and I've watched his news interview since then. He's extremely well-spoken, seems very uh, level-headed, and we might agree, conservatives and Buttigieg might agree on some of the problems that our country is facing, but we vastly disagree on how to address them. But like I said, he does come across as a reasonable guy. You have probably heard about this Chick-fil-A controversy. We haven't really talked about it too much on the podcast. Uh, Back in 2012, Dan Cathy, the president of Chick-fil-A, said that, you know, he basically said that marriage is between one man and one woman. God defined marriage. That's what it is. And uh, LGBT rights groups have come out against Chick-fil-A for giving to what they consider quote, anti-gay groups, aka the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, What they mean by that is, of course, any organization that holds to a biblical definition of marriage. That's what they consider to be anti-gay or uh, some kind of hate group. But Pete Buttigieg, uh, he said, reported by CNN, he said, you know, uh, he doesn't approve of their politics, but he does kind of approve of their chicken. And he joked that maybe he could broker some kind of deal between the gay community and Chick-fil-A. And uh, he kind of spoke out against of just isolating ourselves in our uh, identity groups and pinning each other against one another. And I think that that's a very reasonable position. You might not like as a gay person, especially a gay married person as he is, that someone has a view on marriage that contradicts yours and kind of speaks against how you live your life. But you can also reasonably say, you know what, that doesn't make them a bad organization simply because they disagree with me and it doesn't make their food low quality. So I appreciate that reasonable perspective from him. Um, He also identifies, as I said, as a Christian, uh, specifically as an Episcopalian. Uh, The Episcopalian denomination, this is according to Pew Research, and of course, anyone who is a Protestant Christian kind of just knows this inherently anyway. The Episcopalian denomination in general is uh, the farthest left of the Protestant denominations, so it's not exactly surprising that he identifies as this. Now, if you're an Episcopalian listening to this and you're like, that's not true, it might not be true of you, but the statistics do show that on every issue, Episcopalian uh majoritively tend to lean to the left. Not every single Episcopalian, but in general that's true as compared to other Protestant denominations. Um Buddha judge was asked by Kirsten Powers on CNN, his favorite Bible verse recently, and he said Matthew 25:40, which of course is not necessarily surprising um, from a Democrat, not that it's a bad verse, of course, but it's whatever you do to the least of these you do unto me. That's a wonderful verse that is a directive from Jesus and it's something that we should all believe as Christians and all apply to our lives. But how what the application looks like, of course, tends to tends to differ between liberals like Buddha judge and conservatives like me. Um, he was on NBC's Meet the Press with Chuck Todd discussing uh, Christianity as it pertains to Donald Trump. And here's that clip.
1: You said it's hard to look at his actions and believe that they are the actions of somebody who believes in God. How do you square that assessment with the fact that the evangelical Christian community is so devoted to his candidacy? Well, it's, uh, it's something that really frustrates me because the hypocrisy is unbelievable. Here you have somebody who not only acts in a way that is not consistent with anything that I hear in scripture or in church where it's about uh, lifting up the least among us and taking care of strangers which is another word for immigrants uh, and making sure that you're focusing your effort on the poor but also personally how you're supposed to conduct yourself not chest-thumping uh, at meism mm-hmm. uh, but humbling yourself before others uh, foot washing is one of the central images in the New Testament uh, and We see the diametric opposite of that in this presidency. I think there was uh, perhaps a cynical process where he decided to, for example, begin to pretend to be pro-life and govern accordingly, uh, which was good enough to to bring many uh, evangelicals over to his side. But uh, even on the version of Christianity that you hear from the religious right, which is about sexual ethics, I can't believe that somebody who was caught writing hush money checks to adult film actresses is, is, is somebody they should be lifting up as the kind of person you want to be leading this nation.
0: So Chuck Todd is right, Uh, white evangelical Protestants, especially, Protestants really in general, but especially white evangelical Protestants, do still support Trump. 78% voted for him. That is a crazy high amount. Um, Now, 69% uh, approve of the job he's doing. So that number has lowered. I've talked about that on Fox News as well, why I think that is, but that's still a majority of white evangelical Protestants who support Donald Trump. So I agree with Buttigieg about some of this, uh, especially regarding Trump's personal behavior. He is saying, okay, this is hypocrisy. I mean, Look look at the guy does he exude christian values to you and i would say no i mean even if we give him trump the benefit of the doubt about his past sexual life cheating on his wives the multiple divorces etc i mean say that he's repented since then say he's come to a true faith in in Jesus Christ, and that's no longer part of his life. You still, you still have a right, I think, to question his attitude, how he treats uh, his enemies, how thin-skinned he is, how quickly he he turns against someone, how quickly he is to issue insults. Um, you would probably say, if we're honest with ourselves and honest with the word of God, that he is not a representative of, a good representative of someone who is dedicated to following Christ. Should we expect perfection? Absolutely not. But we are looking for some kind of fruit. I mean, for example, speaking of imperfection, I was I was convicted this past weekend of uh, reading Jesus's words in Matthew 5, 21 through 22 that says, you have heard uh, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. I mean, that hit me like a ton of bricks because honestly, how many times a week do I go on Twitter and call AOC a fool or some variation of a fool? So I am not saying that Donald Trump has to be perfect, that he can never display his anger in some kind of imperfect way. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And I am a prime example of that. Uh, but I am saying that if we are to say that Donald Trump is Uh, A saved saved Christian with a regenerate heart, someone who is walking with Jesus, studying the word of God, who is in prayer, then we should see some kind of fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, peace, and self-control. I think I might have even missed one in there. I'm not totally sure. I just kind of like rattled that off. But... uh, that is what we are looking for. We're not looking for perfection, but we are looking for fruit. And again, I am not judging whether or not Donald Trump is saved. That's not something that I can do because I, I cannot see his heart. But you could see from an outside perspective, particularly someone like Pete Buttigieg, who has a completely different worldview than Donald Trump, could look at that and say, OK, is this really the guy that Christians are handling as a hero? Is this really the guy that Christians are saying, Christ-li- or saying is Christ-like or who is their president? Um, but I think that Pete, I think that he is missing the point and he is missing the reason for why Christians support Trump. And here's why I think that because he says something else. Uh, He also says that Trump doesn't represent Christianity because he doesn't care for the least of these. And that is revealing because Pete really isn't just saying that about Trump. He's saying that about Republicans in general. That's what Democrats say about Republicans. And I think that it's a very false argument. They say we don't care about the poor. We don't care about the immigrant because we don't believe in unlimited welfare, because we don't believe in universal health care. We don't believe in open borders. So we don't believe in democratic policies that are intended to, they say, to help the poor. Um, And so we must not care for the least of these. And of course, that is not true. We simply believe that the private sector, that individuals take care of the poor much better than the government does. And that is true. Welfare is really good at keeping people poor. Um, It is not good at getting people out of poverty people are good at getting themselves out of poverty. People on welfare can be good at getting themselves off welfare, but welfare is not good at getting people out of poverty. Uh, We believe, conservatives believe that the best thing for the poor is number one, purpose, of course, and number two, opportunity. Both of which can largely be found in a job, in hard work, in providing for your family. That doesn't mean no welfare ever. That doesn't mean no government assistance. You do fall on hard times. There are uh, seasons in your life when maybe you do need that boost, when you just can't feed your family and you need some kind of intervention or some kind of assistance. Uh, Ronald Reagan surely believed that. He believed that there was good in what was called government relief around the time of the Great Depression, but relief turned to welfare and welfare turned to entitlements. And so Our attitude shifted. We don't view help from the government as just something who. Uh, that aids people who are poor, aids people who are destitute, aids people who are desperate. Now we see it as something that they are entitled to and should not be taken away for any reason. Um, but that's just not what the conservative believes. The conservative believes that welfare should be limited and that it should be conditional. It should be more like relief and a supplement rather than something that you should feel entitled to and that you should be able to live off of forever. Um, we believe that anyone who has the the physical and the mental capacities, capabilities uh, to do well in this country, if they make particular choices, should be expected to do that. If they graduate from high school, if they wait until they get married to have kids, those are two of the things that almost guarantee that you are not going to stay in poverty for the rest of your life. Um, Now, I am not saying And I'm not sure that any conservative would say that that is easy for everyone. I am not naive to the circumstances that surround some people's lives that make those two things extremely difficult. Say that you're 15 years old. Say that you have no dad at home, that your mom works nights, you have a part-time job in addition to going to class every day to help provide for your family. Maybe you have to take care of your younger siblings while your mom's gone. There's not really a whole lot of time for you to study and to do the things uh, that are required to graduate from high school. So there's no doubt that that 15-year-old who maybe is living in the projects and who feels like there is no way that they're going to be able to finish high school on time, there's no doubt that that 15-year-old has it harder Than someone like me who had two parents, who had a stay-at-home mom, who didn't have to work when I was in high school, who I was really only expected to get good grades and be able to take my standardized tests and and go to college. Of course, I had it easier than that person did. But we believe that the beauty of uh, human dignity and the beauty of American freedom is that even that kid, even that kid is able to do it. If he makes the right choices, I'm not saying in every single situation, but we believe that that is better. Depending on that person's ability is better than depending on the government to just help you skate by for the rest of your life. Um, I mean, think about Ben Carson, for example. He had a horribly hard life growing up. A single mom, dad left, and mom tried to commit suicide. They were impoverished. He had. Anger problems. Uh, he hopped around from school to school, basically his whole life. And of course, we know that he ended up being an esteemed surgeon and and running for president on the Republican ticket. And that's not to say that this one anecdote is proof, but it does point to human potential. Uh, conservatives believe that people have that incredible potential to do what they put their mind to, uh, with help from their communities, maybe with some help from the government if they are mentally and physically able to do that. But we do not believe that welfare is. A right that should be given indiscriminately. So there's a lot of nuance in this argument. When someone like Buttigieg or a Democrat says, well, you know, uh, Republicans don't care about the least of these, they don't care about the poor. Well, yes, we do. We just don't believe, we don't believe in unlimited welfare. That, that's it. If you want to have a policy conversation, let's have a policy conversation. But don't write us off as immoral just because we don't agree with you. Let's talk about what actually works. Um, as far as immigrants go, Buttigieg is talking about conservatives uh, being against illegal informa- uh, immigration. I don't know one conservative that is against legal immigration. There, are, there actually are some. Actually, I can think of a few that are against legal immigration and culture comes to mind. I don't think she's against legal immigration, period, but she probably is for pausing it. But most conservatives I know are for legal immigration. They're for uh, changing the system to make it as streamlined as possible, not necessarily easier, but as streamlined and as efficient as possible. But no, we're not for open borders. Of course not. And no, we're not for claiming asylum for any reason whatsoever. And no, we we don't believe in uh, an insecure country in which our sovereignty is forsaken for the sake of people who just want to come here for a better life. Everyone wants to come here for a better life. Of course, it's the beauty of America. And there's a process by which uh, you can do that, that you can follow to become a citizen and work and contribute to our society. But No, we don't believe in illegal immigration. Of course, we believe in security. Of course, we believe in sovereignty. Of course, we believe in the rule of law. We've gone through on this podcast uh, the Bible's advocacy of walls, though I I, I don't think that that means that the Bible says that we have to build a wall or that's the only form of border security or that it's even necessarily the best form of. Of border security. I don't know. I'm I'm open to other things. I don't think it's the only thing that we have to get behind. Uh, That does not mean, though, that we don't have compassion for illegal immigrants, for the people who are crossing over because they want a better life, Uh, especially the kids that are being exploited and trafficked and used uh, to cross the border illegally, Uh, especially the victims of the drug cartels. Of course, we have compassion for those people. But again, compassion does not equate necessarily agreeing with a Democrat. It doesn't necessarily mean. It doesn't necessarily mean that we want open borders, that we don't believe in any kind of security whatsoever. So those reasons are not good reasons to say that Trump is not a Christian or that Republicans are not compassionate. It's a different perspective, and in fact, I, I don't, I don't see any support in the Bible, if we're honest, for the government becoming a nanny state. Like, I, I don't see any support in the Bible for the government doing the work the church and individuals are supposed to do. There is a role for the government in the Bible, but it is not meant to eclipse the role of Christians, the role of individuals. Um, also, Pete Buttigieg says that he cares for the least of these. He says that that is his favorite verse, but he has stated support for the unreserved slaughter of unborn children. And just to remind you, again, we talk about this a lot, what exactly third-term abortion is it induces labor. You partially birth the child and then the doctor makes an incision in the back of the child's skull while the child is alive, takes a vacuum tube and pulls the brain contents out of the child's skull until the skull collapses. That is a DNX abortion, a dilation and extraction abortion. You can go online and see that for yourself. You can read it, not just on pro-life websites. You can read it anywhere. Second trimester, it's equally grotesque. The baby's just not as big. You have to dismember the child and then take the pieces of the child out. Um, In the first trimester, you poison the child with a pill. There are different kinds of abortions in each trimester, but all of them are gruesome. All of them kill a life. And Pete Buttigieg is going to talk to us about caring for the least of these, but he has already stated that he doesn't believe that there should be any restriction for late-term abortion whatsoever. And so I'm not saying that he doesn't care for the poor. I'm not saying that he doesn't care for other forms of, least, of the least of these, but to turn around and say that the other side doesn't while he is for the slaughtering of unborn children, I'm just not sure how you square that. And the Bible definitely has something to say about that. We can have all kinds of conversations about the balance between the individual's responsibility and, um, and the government's responsibility. We can talk about uh, what is most efficient and effective in helping the poor as far as government aid goes. We can talk about the best forms of border security, and that can all be within the realm of biblical Christianity. Honest Christians can have honest and biblical disagreements on that. Something that we cannot as Christians have honest, biblical disagreements on is whether or not abortion is right. Whether or not uh, abortion is okay and is acceptable in the eyes of God and whether or not we should, Christians or not, stand up against it. But especially as Christians, especially if you are going to be someone like Buttigieg who is using the Bible to support his views, well, you're going to have to square that away uh, for me with abortion. So, Uh, I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure how he does that. And a lot of people, of course, you hear say, well, how can you be for small government and also be about uh, the government being in women's bodies or being in a, a woman's doctor's office? Well, no, that's not what it's about at all because it's not about a woman's body. You've got a whole other body growing in there and that that body is defenseless. That body can't defend itself at all. It is completely vulnerable and it's completely trapped. And so if you're going to kill that child, there's absolutely nothing they can do to save themselves. I can't even think of anything more barbaric or more grotesque than that and uh, a more important role for the government to play. Even the smallest and most limited government to play, they're protecting the physical lives of its most vulnerable people. So I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure how someone like Buttigieg rationalizes that, especially with a biblical perspective. And then another conversation that I would say that really can't be honestly had within biblical Christianity, one is extra biblical and, and one is more biblical, more in line with the Bible. Of course, uh, all human systems are flawed because they're run by humans, but it's the socialism uh, versus capitalism conversation. I mean, socialism is totally off the table if you have a biblical perspective. Let's just look at the 10th commandment, uh, a moral law, by the way, by which Christians still abide is opposed to the Old Testament cleansing laws by which Christians do not abide, is do not covet. Do not covet your neighbor's house or his wife or his ox or his donkey. Do not covet. Do not want what is not yours. That's what socialism is all about. That's what Marxism is all about, is you owe me because you have more than me. I don't have enough, and so I want what you have. Well, that's covetousness, and the Bible takes care of that really early on and says, nope, That's not what God wants. And that is also part of the basis that the Bible lays for private property, which has been uh, a huge foundation or a huge keystone, I would say. If not, I guess there's only one keystone technically in a structure, so I don't know if it is the one, but it is a foundational principle uh, of the West, is private property ownership is a biblical concept. The early church in Acts, a lot of people cite this for saying, oh no, they were socialists. Well, yeah, the early church in Acts did give each other uh, everything as they had need. No one was actually uh, desperate or needy within the early church, but that's because the church members were giving of their own free will. They were not giving under government compulsion. Plus, let's just look at this practically. Socialism has always historically led to forced mediocrity, and it completely negates the need for hard work, and it encourages laziness. Proverbs, we've also talked about on this podcast, has a lot to say about the evils of laziness. Um, Now, Buttigieg may not himself be a socialist. I don't think he said that he is a socialist, but this goes to why. There are so many Christians, evangelical Christians, who are supporting Donald Trump because Democrats have openly posed themselves as the party of socialism, of infanticide, and of open borders. Uh, Well, Christians in general care about the Constitution. We care about property rights. We care about ownership as is based in the Bible. Christians in general care about liberty. Christians in general believe in hard work and charity and in the security and sovereignty of our country. Christians believe in the sanctity of human life from the womb to the tomb. So... If you want to ask, well, why are evangelical Christians supporting Donald Trump? That is why. Democrats have positioned themselves against all of those things. Um, It's not because we love Donald Trump. It is not because... That we agree with his sexual ethics. I mean, Buttigieg brought up. I thought that you know the Christian right cares a lot about sexual ethics. He he kind of has a point there. Like it is kind of weird for people to say, oh, you know, I don't care at all what Trump does in the bedroom, but then to say, well, they would probably say they care what. Pete Buttigieg does in the bedroom. I mean, I think personally we should care about both. Like we should care about adultery and we should care about homosexuality because the Bible has something to say about both of those things. The Bible is very clear about the definition of marriage and clear about the definition of biblical sexual relations. And so we should care about both of those. So he brings up a point there, but I would say that most Christians don't support him because they're like, eh, none of that really matters to me anymore. Maybe the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about that. I don't think that's why Christians support Trump. Uh, It's because Trump, as immoral as he may have been at times, uh, as uh, annoying as he might be on Twitter, as obnoxious as he might be, uh, he is the only representative that Christians who care about the security and prosperity of America have. Like, he is the only one, especially after eight years of Barack Obama, because Christians care about religious liberty. Uh, because, or so when someone like, uh, Pete Buttigieg says that he supports uh, a federal law banning discrimination against gay people and people of all gender identities, uh, something like the Equality Act that is going through right now, uh, well, Christians fear that, okay, well, that means that all organizations and all people are going to be forced to hire, to marry, to make wedding cakes for, et cetera, people whose lifestyle doesn't align with the Bible. And they're worried about that that is what Christians fear, the squelching of religious liberty. Um, If we remember, I brought up Obama. Uh, Obama's IRS specifically targeted conservative and Christian groups applying for tax exemption status uh, under Lois Lerner, uh, holding them uh, to a higher standard, to more scrutiny than most liberal groups. And also, let's not forget, Obamacare had a mandate that required employers, including nonprofit employers, uh, to cover birth control for their employees, even organizations with religious and moral objections. Uh, Birth control is also known in some cases, or it's thought to possibly uh, to actually kill the egg after it has been fertilized, which would be known as an early term abortion. And so you've got a lot of religious organizations that aren't okay with birth control in general. So of course, they're not going to want to pay for the birth control of their their employees. If you'll remember the Little Sisters of the Poor versus Obamacare, that was a Supreme Court case, and the Little Sisters actually won it. Uh, Their Catholic organization, organization. Uh, they said they, they don't want to directly provide coverage for employees seeking birth control or Plan B. And so after that decision, the Trump administration released two rules according to Town Hall. Uh, the first rule provides an exemption from Obamacare's contraceptive mandate for entities and individuals with religious objections to the mandate. The second rule provides an exemption to nonprofit organizations, small businesses, and individuals with non-religious but moral opposition to such coverage. However, Okay. Sure. However, a judge in Philadelphia challenged these rules in January saying, "Okay, no, the Obamacare mandate should stand for everyone, no matter what. They should be forced to cover birth control for their employers. He was joined by another judge in California. So now the Little Sisters of the Poor and other organizations are dealing with this same thing again. So this is yet another issue the Democrats are owning that Christians are uh, categorically scared of. And they're they're not for this kind of squelching of religious liberty. Uh, this is a violation of the Establishment Clause of the Constitution. We should not be forced to pay for medicine uh, to which we are religiously or morally opposed. Of course not. I mean, you know where this is going. The government is also going to to force every organization, no matter what, to pay for gender reassignment surgery or hormone therapy or things like that, no questions asked. So I would say Pete Buttigieg, you know what Christians care more about than Trump's tweets or his past sex life? They care about the slaughtering of unborn children. They care about the safety and security of our citizens. They care about hard work, and they care about religious freedom. Uh, We are biblically opposed to abortion, to open borders, to the systemic covetousness that is socialism, and to the oppression of people of faith. These we are against. So it's really not that hard to understand. And we believe that all of these things that I just listed, abortion, open borders, socialism, religious persecution, no matter what your faith background is. We believe that all of these things actually hurt the least of these, not help them. They do not help the poor. They do not aid the marginalized. They hurt everyone, uh, especially the church, who is uh, the single greatest driver of charity, service, and compassion. That is why evangelicals side with Trump. Uh, You guys really have given us no other choice. I mean, there are a lot of people in the middle. Even people like me, I voted for Donald Trump, did not vote for him in the primaries, didn't like him in the primaries, just basically for the reasons that I listed. Like, I I didn't think that he was the best representative of conservatism and of the biblical values on which I think conservatism is built. But when it came down to him versus Hillary, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to vote for her. Like, I don't want four or eight more years of Barack Obama, the most progressive the most progressive president in recent history who I think absolutely tore our country apart with identity politics. Like, I don't want that again. So it was really the the lesser of two evils for me. And the left, not necessarily Pete Buttigieg, but really the left that he now represents, whether he wants to or not, makes it impossible, impossible for us to have any other position. I, I listen to Trump, I read his tweets, and I'm like, oh, this guy this guy sometimes, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but sometimes I listen to him and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so stupid. Like, really? That was so stupid. And sometimes I'm embarrassed by him. And sometimes I'm like, gosh, no, he is not what conservatism is. I say that a lot. I mean, he's st- I still, of course, believe that he's not what conservatism is. So I don't talk about him that much because he's so inconsequential to me. But then I look over to my left, and I think people even a, a lot more centrist than I am, I'm certainly not centrist. I just don't love Donald Trump that much. But you've got people in the in the middle kind of saying the same things that I am and even worse saying, oh my gosh, I hate Donald Trump. He's an absolute idiot. But then they look to the left and they see, okay, you've literally got a crazy deranged mob of maniacs coming from the left saying, okay, we're going to take your unborn children. Um, we're going to take your borders. We're going to take your wallet. We're going to take your health care, and we're going to take your private property. That sound good. And so you've got centrists and Trump skeptics saying, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the idiot." yep, I'm good. I'm just going to stick with this guy. I might not like everything he says. I might not like everything he does. But when I look over my shoulder to the left and I see that coming for me, when I see that coming for the next generation, when I literally see freedom on the edge of on, on the precipice of existence about to teeter off into obscurity because of leftist policies, I think, you know what? I'm okay with the tweets. I'm, I'm OK with the anger. I'm OK with the pettiness because uh, I think that he's going to do a better job or at least surround himself by people that are going to uh, sustain conservative and American and capitalistic and prosperous policies much more effectively than the left well. And so what the left doesn't understand, and we had a whole episode on this a long time ago, that they can't not be crazy, is that they, if they would just not be so crazy, if they would just not be so extreme, if they wouldn't be socialist, if they wouldn't talk about infanticide, if they wouldn't compare Republicans to Hitler, which is... the the most insane, did I say Republicans to Hitler? I meant Trump to Hitler and Republicans to Nazis. The most insane comparison you could ever make, if they could just be a little bit sane, then maybe they would win some people over to their side. Not me, of course, but they would probably be able to win some centrists over to their side, but they can't. And so what Pete Buttigieg just doesn't understand is the party that he represents and just how crazy they are, just how far left they are. And people who love America, people who love the Constitution, especially evangelical Christians, we're looking over there and we're saying, I'd rather stay with the idiot. I'm good. I'm good. So just wanted to make that clear. I had a lot of people ask me what I've thought about Pete Buttigieg. Obviously, we disagree on a lot of things. I'm sure that he is a great and very kind and probably very reasonable person, but I think he needs to understand where people are coming from, who are Christians and who still support Donald Trump. So I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day. Uh, please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, you can watch this. Uh, you can watch this on YouTube, and you can share this with your friends. And you can listen on all different types of platforms: Spotify, Podbean, Pod, I, Podcast, No Castbox, if you feel like it. Okay. That's it for today. I will see you on Friday. Oh, Friday, Friday. I am doing a fun episode with my husband answering some of your relationship questions. So I will see you guys then.